God makes children in His image, and then parents have a way of reshaping that image by how they treat them. I want to share with you a sad letter from a wayward teenager to her daddy as she reflects upon the devastating power of parenting. And though this letter is written to a dad by a daughter, it could be written by a son as well and to a mother. Both parents are equal in that way. They can have a devastating effect on their children or they can have a redemptive impact on their child, whether it's a boy or a girl. But this podcast, this letter that I'm going to share with you is by a girl that she is writing to her daddy. The title of the podcast is Dear Daddy, I'm Not Your Little Girl Anymore. Hello, Dad. It has taken me a long time to get the nerve to write this letter. Now that I'm on my own and the chaos of home is in the past, I've had time to think about a few things. This letter will be hard for both of us, but I figured if I did not do it now, I would never write what is on my heart, so here goes. I suppose this will come across as a rant from a rebellious teen. Maybe it is. My hope is you'll not just read the lines, but you read between them too. Yes, I am angry. I've been mad for many years. That's an understatement, but you already knew this. In the past, you focused on my anger and blamed me for my attitude. I know I have a responsibility for my actions. I get that. But our problems go both ways and much more in-depth than who's at fault. For once, I want you to set aside your blame and listen to mine. Yes, I am blaming you, Dad. I heard inside. I have struggled for as long as I can remember. When I was a little girl, I saw you as my everything. You were my protector, so I thought. I also thought you loved and cared for me. I guess that is how most little girls believe. It didn't take long for me to realize that your protective and loving care was more about my desire than a reality that you offered or or even discerned. My earliest memory of you is that of an angry man. I used to think of your anger as it being justified, and when you yelled at me, it was because I did something wrong. And I suppose I did do some things wrong, but never realized you were just an angry and miserable man. You needed someone to fuss at, and I was an easy target for you, You seemed to not yell as much at my brother. Maybe that was because he was so much like you. You always made me feel different and weird. At first, I felt the guilt for your blame. How could you be wrong? You're an adult, and I'm the child. What do kids know? Dad is always right. That is the lie that I bought. It wasn't until my teen years before I realized you were full of it, and I was not as bad of a person as I thought I was. By that time, though, I had already given up on you loving me or ever protecting me. But it was worse than that, Dad. I not only gave up, but I was furious because of the guilt you laid on me. You put me on a bad trip, and that... I stayed on for over ten years. Ten years, Dad. 
That is how long I felt twisted up inside. Do you know the day when I realized that I was not as bad as you made me feel? Do you remember Jimmy? The 17-year-old boy who moved next door to us in Silver Springs? Jimmy liked me. That weirded me out at first, but I was only 13. I couldn't believe anyone would like me. I had bought the lie, remember? I gave Jimmy such a hard time. I, I made fun of him, got angry at him, and was a pain in the rear end for the most part. Then one day I realized that he did like me, and it was for real. I was so naive. But then it clicked. We began secretly dating at first, which I don't know why it had to be a secret. I guess I was just trained not to share anything with you because you would say something crass or disapproving. We dated for two years. Does that surprise you? Do you care? Jimmy was also the first person that I had sex with, and honestly, I didn't know what sex was all about and didn't care one way or the other. It was something he wanted to do. He asked me if I wanted to, and I said I did, not knowing what I was talking about, so we did it. I didn't like it. But since he liked me, and that is what I wanted, I him to like me, that is, I, I figured, well, what the heck? I might as well. That was the beginning of, of many bad things for me. Once Jimmy got me in the bed, he started treating me differently. He became more rude, more demanding and unkind. He, he began to become like you. I soon learned that all men were the same, no matter how old they were. It didn't take long for me to play the game, too. Boys like sex. Girls love attention. I dumped Jimmy and became a player. Boys are so dumb. Their minds are in their pants. I became a little manipulator. With a smile and a wink, you can pretty much say anything or do anything, and, and the guy will come after you. My cuteness became my weapon and my downfall. They would fawn all over me, but after a while, it became a pain. Boys were annoying, and none of them loved me anyway. Is every guy in the world a selfish pig? Are all these guys I slept with just their version of who you are? Selfish? Where can a girl find love and security? The farther I went with boys, the angrier I became. My anger was not primarily directed toward them because I was using them. Yeah, I was a player, as I said. I'm a manipulator. But I was really directing my rage at you. You're the one who set me up for failure. You were the first person to reject me. You're the one who created this deep, crazy longing in my heart. Here I sit in my apartment more empty than I've ever been in my life. I've had sex more times than I can remember. I drink alcohol and smoke weed to mask the pain, but the pain won't leave. I have no person I can talk to, and talking to you only it only reaps your blame in return. Because it's always my fault, never yours. I'm not even sure why I'm writing this. I guess at some level of my heart, I hope you would get a clue and care. 
I hope you would own the wrongs you have done and admit you're a miserable, angry man who has created an unhappy, angry little girl. I doubt that will ever happen. You're an angry old man, and I'm not your little girl anymore. To be 18 and this broken is not right. I don't know what is right, but this is not right. I messed up. The more I write this letter, the more hopeless I feel. Yes, I've done cutting too. I found a few other girls who are about as miserable as I am, and that is what they taught me. It was scary at first, but after a few hits of weed, it wasn't that bad. To feel the blood running down my arm while high, well, it was relieving for a brief moment I felt as though all the pain was gone. It was like the anger was dripping to the floor, but when the trip was over, it was back to the same old hell. Are you feeling bad now, Dad? I hope so. In some sadistic way, I hope you care about me, and what I'm telling you makes you feel guilty. If that doesn't, then brace yourself. I've done a lot worse than what you have read thus far. Do you know how you used to rant about gay people? Guess what? Your little girl is one. How does that make you feel? Ever since I had sex with Jimmy and a dozen other guys, it never felt right. Those guys were just like you, little, angry, selfish men. They cared for me the way you did. They didn't care. I've never felt loved in my life until I met Sarah. This is the first person to ever care about who I am as a person. I, I've never cared a lot about sex, and I don't care a lot about being a lesbian, but there is something I do care about and long for, to be loved by a kind person. I was willing to give up my body to find love, and, and that didn't work. I tried alcohol. I tried drugs. I tried cutting to hide my cravings for care from someone. Those things didn't work either. Then I met Sarah. She is a kind, compassionate, and loving person. She encourages me and take it, takes an interest in me. I don't know how long we'll be lovers or what our life will be like in the future, but for now, it works. Daddy, we call this pragmatism. Do you know what that means? Probably not. It means the only thing that really matters is the result. The process is irrelevant. How we get there does not matter. What we do does not matter. It's just the result. For me, only one thing matters. I've been waiting all my life to be encouraged, to be loved, to be cared for, to be protected. Sarah is as close as I have ever come to it. It feels good, even better than I have ever imagined. I'm sure you're having a coronary right now. Oh, well, I hate it for you. Every time you yelled at me and sent me to my room, you were driving the wedge between us. What were you thinking? Each time you stayed out all night or missed one of my events, how did you think that was going to end? When you called me a whore, were you expecting me to get saved? Were these some of your evangelistic methods? Hey, Dad, it didn't work. I'm your creation, your little girl, made in your image. You can float that around your men's group. 
go ahead. Tell them what a whore your little girl is and how you found out she's a lesbo, too. But don't forget to tell the whole truth. Tell your buddies about your double life. Tell them about how you have never loved me and how you even called me the mistake. Do you hear that, Daddy? The mistake? I am your mistake? Maybe somebody will ask you how that made me feel. If they do, give them a copy of this letter. Your little mistake is not your little girl anymore. I'm all grown up. Your daughter. This letter, this podcast, is titled, Dear Daddy, I'm, I'm Not Your Little Girl Anymore. This letter here that you just heard is fictional. It's not about any person, but a compilation of many teenage girls that I have counseled And you could pretty much write this script if you substitute it for boys that I have counseled, teenage boys that I've counseled. And it could be written from mean moms as well. Though, as I said earlier, that uh, this story is about a girl writing to her daddy. If you never tried to help anyone like this, I'm sure this sounds hard-hitting. I tell many folks that I live on the underbelly of Christianity I live in that dark place where most Christians don't live, and so these things are maybe unfamiliar and quite hard-hitting and even crass to them. They wear their their Sunday clothes and their Sunday smiles and go to Sunday school. Where there's a whole other world out there, the seedier side of Christianity, the unmentionables, the things that we don't We don't talk about the things that we don't know, the things that we're terrified to know, and the things that we disqualify ourselves from helping, and so we just don't go there. I'm also sure it weighs heavy on your soul, as it should. Friends, this letter is genuine. There is really nothing made up or out of the ordinary in the sense that it is real for more teenage girls than you may imagine. My soul grieves for them, and I hope your soul does too. As we go to our local church meetings this Sunday and and sing our beautiful songs and enjoy each other, let's not fool ourselves. Everything is not okay in the body of Christ. There are families in our churches who are being ravaged by sin. Virtually every day of my life, somebody is writing on our forums, and they're communicating some version of this story. There has been ongoing and unmitigated dysfunction in their lives for many months and many years. Many times girls like this rush into marriage with boys who are just as dysfunctional and and the chemistry is chaotic. And then they come to our forums and they are seeking help. There are millions of dads who are messing up their little girls and messing up their little boys. And there are millions of moms that that are doing the same thing. And while I love Christ with all of my heart and I have an optimistic perspective because of the gospel, I'm a realist too. Some people don't like this kind of article or this kind of podcast. They don't like to deal with the realities of life. They do prefer to bury their heads in the proverbial sand and and pretend it's not real, but it is. We need to be more intentional as we interact with others. 
It is not judgmental to assume that other people have brokenness in their lives because they do. It is discerning and it is loving. We need to consider each other. We need to spend time thinking about the person on the on the other pew on the other pew or across the aisle or in the other chair or the person on stage, even the person who's ministering to you on Sunday morning. We need to be realist without drowning in in all this negative, pessimistic introspection. We must walk that middle line as we understand that we are fallen people and we have our hope in the gospel. And though I will always put the accent on the grace of God, I will not bury my head in the sand while doing so. People are hurting in unimaginable ways. If you are a young lady who has had a similar experience as my fictional friend in this story, may I appeal to you. There is one more love still out there who you have not tried yet. His name is Jesus. His affection is pure. His affection is non-condemning, and it is everlasting. Many of you are, have listened to this story, and, and you have cried because you know this story was you many years ago, and you made even more uh, difficult decisions that you now regret that you too rushed into marriage because you were looking for somebody to care for you because of the reshaping that came into your life due to your familial uh, contacts when you were a child. And now you're at this point in life, and this rings so true to you, and you can feel hopeless as well. But I want you to know that, that there is hope. Perhaps you have been ripped off by your earthly father, Maybe you have chosen to walk on the dark side of life because you felt as though it was the only thing you could do. It's not. I want you to know as the teenage boy, it was me in this story as well. I had the horrible reshaping of, a, of an ungodly earthly father, and I made some poor decisions in my life. And, and you can read my testimony on the Meet Rick link on our website where I tell the stories from my childhood about all the bu uh, abuse, all the, the anger, and, and my adverse and sinful responses to that. You must come to the place and to recognize that you are a victim, no, no doubt about that. Those of you who have had those horrific experiences from your dads or your moms, you are a victim of their, their sin, and you, you felt a regression in your own life as you receded back into the darkness because of the things that they did to you as a reaction but you want to be you want to be careful that you don't play the victim card to such an extent that you deny your own culpability for the decisions that you have made i had to come to that place in my life where i had to own my sins i could not continue hating my father i could not continue to blame him and them and others and even the institutions like my schools that I belong to know at some point you have to come to the place and recognize that you have made decisions in your own life and you got to sort it out. I'm not denying anything that has ever happened to you. I would never say it wasn't horrific. I would, I would never say that they are right and you are wrong for the things that they perpetrated against you. But you have to sort it out. You have to identify that you have reacted, that your soul did regress, that you did recede into the darkness. 
and you did not cling to Jesus, accept Jesus, rush toward Jesus, well, now you have this opportunity because of the power of the gospel. Yeah, your earthly father, your earthly mother, perhaps they ripped you off. Perhaps you did make that decision to walk on the dark side because you felt as though it was the one thing that you could do. You stepped into your self-sufficiency, trusting in yourself because you could not trust in anyone else. Trusting others and trusting yourself is the wrong decision. There is another answer. You're like the puppy that, that the man threw into the pond and you had no choice but to sink or to swim. And both of those options are wrong. It is obvious that if you sink, well, that is wrong. But if you learn how to swim, then you will learn how to carve out life according to your desires, your passions, your wants, your needs. Many of us become survivalists. We become self-sufficient people because we were tossed in the pond. We were the puppy tossed in the lake and told to sink and swim or swim. And we figure it out. At our hearts, we're evolutionists, survival of the fittest, and we learn how to survive. But unfortunately, we're fallen people making fallen decisions, and there will always be fallen results. There is another answer. My appeal to you is to lay your anger and your hurt, your bitterness and disappointment down and give it to Christ. And I realize that sounds like a like a cliche and, and in a vacuum it is, and I don't mean it that way. It will be hard for you to do this. You have habituated yourself into a lifestyle for many years and to know how to extricate yourself from it. Well, it just seems like a big ask or a bridge too far. And that's why I want you to reach out to us or reach out to someone and, and let us or them help you. Perhaps you want to take this article. You're welcome to do that. You share it with a friend. Again, it's titled, Dear Daddy, I'm Not Your Little Girl Anymore. And it talks about this wayward journey of a girl who was shaped sinfully by her parents, by her dad specifically, and responded sinfully to it. In fact, she responded so sinfully that she let herself into a trap to where now she is caught in, in such sin that she can't extricate herself from it. And even though this story is fictional, it is very real. In fact, I remember a lady coming to me many, many years ago. She was living in the lesbian lifestyle. And she told me, she said, Rick, when I walked into the gay bar for the first time, I saw all the women sitting on the the bar stools, and they were looking at me, scoping me over, looking me up and down. And for the first time in my life, I felt like somebody wanted me. This was a person that was reared in a Christian home, that their parents were in Christian ministry. This individual's parents were in Christian ministry, and they were willing to sacrifice their theology because there was something that was greater in their life, a greater desire in their life, and that is or that was at that time, to be loved by somebody. And when you come to that place in your life where things are so horrific and you've had Bible training and you're willing to cast your theology out the window uh, to become a lesbian or to enjoy whatever kind of wayward life that you want, you're in a bad spot and you'll probably have a hard time extricating yourself from it. And though there is an answer, and though I am appealing to you to lay your anger and hurt and bitterness and disappointment down and give it to Christ, I know that that will be hard for you to do. But I do want you to let him take your sin and you receive his righteousness. He gives you an alien righteousness. 
He takes away your badness, your old person. Let his life envelop you today. Become born again. Perhaps you need to be saved. You need to become a Christian. If you do and don't know how to become a Christian, you can write to us, and we would love to show you how. It's really not complicated. There is grace for the humble, and if you feel that God is humbling you right now, would you continue to humble yourself, and would you reach out for help and say, I'm not even a believer I've gone down my version of the path that you have described to me, Rick, and I want to be born again. I want to be a Christian. Will you show me how? Now, maybe you are a believer. Perhaps you are a Christian, but you have lost your way. Maybe you were born again, but the past still haunts you, and it seems impossible to shake the bondage of your hurt again, or your hurt and anger. I want you to know that there is hope for you. And so if you're not a, uh, a Christian, and if this resonates with you, would you please talk to someone? You can talk to us. You can let us know. We can put you in touch with a counselor who can walk you through what it means to become a Christian. And then if you are a believer, then I want you to cling to the hope that's found in Christ. In fact, I would encourage you to go to Romans chapter 8 and that you, you study these five verses. I will share them with you. It's the last five verses of the chapter in Romans 8. Paul said this, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect. It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword if you have trusted Christ, that he has imposed himself into your life and regenerated your soul, you are in the body of Christ, and, and God is for you. There are benefits to being a Christian. If you want to read this article, and specifically this letter, then I encourage you to do so. Again, it's titled, Dear Daddy, I'm, I'm Not Your Little Girl Anymore. I just want to speak ever so briefly to the dads and moms out there. All of our children are made in the image of God. Of course, they come into the world fallen, and parents have the opportunity to, to reshape and reorient and redirect these children to Christ. That is our job. Like, like clay, we can cooperate with God in the shaping of them, but if we reject God, if we reject His rule, His authority over our lives, you will impact your children. Here's the thing. You're going to impact your children one way or the other, and so you have to choose how you want to impact them as a God-centered, God-directed man or a woman, father and mother, or are you going to do it your way and lean into your own selfishness and live the life that you want to live regardless? Well, there will be a payday uh, someday for those decisions that you are making and if your children are walking a wayward uh, path, well, ultimately, it is their fault. Ultimately, they can't play the victim card forever. Ultimately, they have to make decisions and choose whether they're going to accept Christ or not. But just as I asked a while ago that they 
can't play the victim card exclusively, that they have to own their own culpability and and what has gone wrong with them. Parents, you can't play the the card that says they have to make their own decisions and it's on them, and if they want to trust God, that's between them and the Lord. Well, that is true, but you need to own the fact that you were a major shaping influence in their lives that, that helped them. Uh, to get to the place to where they are now and one of the most precious and beautiful and redemptive things that you can do in their lives is go to them and confess your sins to them. Let them know that you haven't lived for God. Let them know what they already know about you. Let them know that you're aware of your anger and your other shortcomings in your life and you ask them to forgive you. And that you also do the same thing with the Lord, that you ask Him to forgive you for your unbiblical leadership and misguidance of your children and the impact that you had upon them. And then you set on a path of transformation. Don't expect your children to change if you're not going to change yourself. Don't ask them to do something you're unwilling to do. Don't be a hypocrite. It will only exacerbate a problem that's in a bad spot as is. If we can help you with any of these things, I have embedded links here also inside of this article. One is titled The Angry Dad. Another is titled Sex Before Marriage is a Trail of Tears. I also have a link to my 31-day teen devotion. If we can help you, you reach out and you let us know how we can do that. We're here and we're ready and we want to serve you. Thanks for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.